want to welcome all of you, and if you want to come up toward the front, it would probably be helpful. I'd like to have a little bit of a discussion this morning. I encourage that. And just want to thank the Belgrade Church for a fantastic weekend. I want to thank the cooks, the technical people that have helped us and done such a great job. Just the whole church for being gracious and hospitable towards so many who've come from Canada, Oregon, you know, Minnesota, North Dakota, South Dakota, Idaho, and Montana. So thank you so much, church here in Belgrade. What a blessing it has been to each and every one of us. And we're going to be looking at this morning, John chapter 3, verse 26. You could be opening up your Bibles to that. And, you know, one, one thing I just want to say up front is that uh, I've been reading some biographies of biblical characters, and certainly you get a little bit of interpretation in that, and one of them that I've read recently is on Elijah. It's uh, from a series called Great Lives from God's Word, and Elijah's uh, title is A Man of Heroism and Humility. And so some of the things that you'll see in here are from that reading and that study that I've been doing. And it's been helpful for me. I hope it will be helpful for you. Let's go ahead and read John chapter 3, The Journey of Becoming Less. And as we read through there, I want to get a little participation, especially early on. Make sure you're all awake. Make sure you're engaged with God's Word. So uh, John chapter 3, verses 26 through 30. Let's read together. Then came, they came to John and said to him, Rabbi, that man who was with you on the other side of the Jordan, the one you testified about, look, he's baptizing and everyone's going to him. To this John replied, A person can receive only what is given them from heaven. You yourselves can testify that I said, I am not the Messiah, but am sent ahead of him. The bride belongs to the bridegroom. The friend who attends the bridegroom waits and listens for him and is full of joy when he hears the bridegroom's voice. That joy is mine and is now complete. He must become greater. I must become less. So as we, we read through there and as you reflect on that particular verse, and it's so important for us not just to read God's Word but to reflect on it. And I hope that that's a habit that you have. Think about what we can learn about John here. And uh, I've, got, I've got several uh, ideas about that, but it seems as though John knows who he is, doesn't he? And that's so important to know who you are and who God made you to be. He knows that he's not the Messiah. He knows he's the forerunner. And it's so important to have that humility and that knowledge of who you are, where you're gifted, where you're not gifted, what God has done in your life. But what else do we learn about John? Help me out here. I, I don't have all the answers. Give me another thing that we can learn about John this morning. Anybody. Just speak loud so everybody can hear. Any other thoughts from that passage and reflecting on John chapter 3 there? Pardon? He knew who Jesus was, too, didn't he? And they were friends, weren't they? They were actually related, but they, he was, was a friend toward Jesus, and we see that demonstrated. Go ahead, Clint. It's loud. Yeah. He wasn't surprised because he was looking for... Even though the, his friends were bringing him 
Okay. So he was expecting. He had that expectation, didn't he? He was not surprised. Dan? He was still learning, wasn't he? He was still humble in that sense and had that teachable spirit. Good. Yes? He's actually starting to transfer that, wasn't he? And being, being humble enough to say, hey, you know, you guys are going to have to go this direction. You know, I'm, I've fulfilled my purpose, basically. Another one. Good. Good responses. He was joyful. He had complete joy, didn't he? It wasn't a competition between he and Jesus, was it? He was very joyful that uh, Jesus was doing what he's supposed to be doing, and he was uh, joyful to do his part as well. Bruce? Perfect. Uh, we're, we're supposed to be attracting people, but transferring that to Jesus. They're not attracted to us, but to Jesus working in us and through us. Any other uh, thoughts? Go ahead. He was the spirit of Elijah. Spirit of Elijah. Boy, I like that. We're going there this morning. So, as you might have seen if you read ahead a little bit. So, we see that, that John knew a lot, and I think it's so important to, to know those kinds of things. Uh, we really lead out of who we are and our being. He knew his mission. He knew that he was a friend of the groom. There wasn't that competition. He, he had complete joy at another person's success. You know, uh, how many times do we maybe think about someone else's success and we wish we were that successful? You know, whether it be a church or a person or something like that. That wasn't John, was it? He was humble in that sense. Um, we think about he, his statement, I must become less. Just an attitude of submission is what we really see. And that's really what this journey of becoming less is. It's really a journey of submission that, that all of us are on. And uh, so we're going to go to the next slide here. And the question just is, what are some leadership principles that we could learn either from John the Baptist or that have kind of stuck with you through the weekend? What are some leadership principles that we can learn from John or simply from the weekend? I'll start, uh, you know, leading by example is always a good thing, but first, be a good follower. Good leaders are, first of all, good followers. And that's so important for us to think about. Give me another one, something else. You can either learn from John or you heard this weekend that might be a good leadership principle. Or if we want to use the word influencer principle or servant principle. What's humility. humility. Good. That's a good one. What else? Pam? Uh, stand up for what is right even in the face of adversity. Okay. Stand up for what is right even in the, the face of adversity. And we definitely see that in John, don't we? You definitely. Another one. Anybody? Go ahead. Okay, good. Good point. So you're, you're pr trying to let other people have the spotlight. You don't have to have it. You know, and a lot of us would probably rather not be up front, but we know that God has called us to be up front, so 
we submit to that and we, we do that as well. Clint? Good. They, they know where they're going and they let other people know where we're going or they're going. Good. Anything else? Uh, go ahead. Exactly. At the heart of being a disciple, really the word means learner, doesn't it? And so being a lifelong learner is critical to, to being a good influencer. Sorry. Understand the plan and know your place in it. Understand the plan and realize your place in it. And accept that place. And sometimes that's hard. Sometimes we don't want to do what God wants us to do and we have to kind of Step out in faith. Other times, we want to do something maybe God doesn't want us to do. And we have to accept that as well. Go ahead. Perfect. Know your giftedness and try to stick within that. doesn't mean that there's things that we're not gifted in that sometimes we have to do, especially in a smaller congregation. Uh, you know, I was in a small congregation for five years and everybody had to do everything, right? You know, and we understand that. I'm in a larger congregation now, so I don't have to do everything. I don't have to be involved and engaged in everything. You know, just some other things that I thought about. Uh, we, like John, are all under the chief shepherd, aren't we? Jesus is our chief shepherd, and we need to recognize that. And, you know, we see in John that leadership is important. He was willing to take that leadership but it was just for a time, wasn't it? And he accepted that, that there was just a time in his life that that was, oh, he was, he was going to be doing that, and then he was fine with uh, doing something different. Shepherds, we could say, since our whole weekend's been about shepherding, need to shepherd other shepherds. And we need to be open to that as shepherds. Shepherds need to submit to other shepherds. And... One I really like, and Jason Thompson, I learned this from him years ago, is that reality is our friend. Reality is our friend. John accepted reality, didn't he? He accepted the reality that he was no longer going to be doing what he did. And so as we we move on, we see in Luke chapter 1, verse 17, I'm not going to turn there, but John ministered in the spirit and the power of Elijah, fulfilling Malachi chapter 4, verses 5 and 6. And so, what I'm going to do, I don't have a lot of background on John that I could really access to see this journey of submission, but I think Elijah gives us a journey that we can look at. So we're going to look over at 1 Kings chapter 2. You can turn over to that particular passage. It's kind of an interesting scenario, but it does help us, I think, Look at what a journey of submission can be like. What does it look like? Elijah's journey may help us on our journey of submission. So we're going to start in chapter 2 of 2 Kings. 2 Kings, I, I think, did I change that on the outline? Did it say 1 Kings? Okay, it should be 2 Kings. I apologize. I caught it and... Uh, Change it on mine, but I didn't get it changed by the time I had everything printed. So, 2 Kings chapter 2, and we're going to read verses 1 through 6. So, make a note there on your notes at 2 Kings chapter 2. When the Lord was about to take Elijah up to heaven in a whirlwind, Elijah and Elisha were on their way from Gilgal. 
Elijah said to Elisha, Stay here at the Lord. The Lord, he says, wants me to go to Bethel, or says, sent me to Bethel. But Elisha said, As surely as the Lord lives and as you live, I will not leave you. So they went down to Bethel. The company of the prophets at Bethel came out to Elisha and asked, Do you know that the Lord is going to take your master from you today? Yes, I know, Elisha replied. So be quiet. Then Elisha said to him, Stay here. Elijah said to him, Stay here, Elisha. The Lord has sent me to Jericho. He replied, As surely as the Lord lives and as you live, I will not leave you. So they went to Jericho. The company of the prophets of Jericho went up to Elisha and asked him, Do you know that the Lord is going to take your master from you today? Yes, I know, he replied. So be quiet. Then Elijah said to him, Stay here. The Lord has sent me to the Jordan. And he replied, As surely as the Lord lives and as you live, I will not leave you. So the two of them walked on. As we we think about that, we uh, see... A couple different things. Historians tell us that the schools of the, the prophets were located at Gilgal, Bethel, and Jericho. These uh, schools were most likely founded by Samuel. And in these schools, young men were trained to take on the sacred calling and disciplined lifestyle of a prophet. Uh, perhaps Elijah wanted to meet with them one more time before he departed. But I think there might be something even more important there, that perhaps uh, Elijah needed that time of reflection. As he knows he's, he's, he's moving on, but he also has Elisha there. So I think it's also potentially true that Elijah wanted to retell his story to Elisha as they're traveling from location to location. And as you know, you know, if you hike or do those kinds of walking types, I think it's a great time for fellowship, isn't it? And telling stories and what's going on in your life and with people in your life. So perhaps that's what's going on. And, you know, if we think about that, you know, they both know that Elijah's going to depart here, but the principle here is we live life forward, but understand life backward by reflecting on our life. So it's important for us to reflect on our life. I think this might be what's going on a little bit in uh, Elijah's life. And certainly, as Elisha says repeatedly, be quiet, don't tell, don't talk. You know, I, wanna, I want Elijah to have the time of reflection, but maybe also Elisha is saying, I don't want to miss a word of this story. I know that something's going on here, and I'm going to have to pick up some ministry tasks here, and I don't want to miss a, a, any bit of it. So if we think about Gilgal, it's a, really the place of beginning of God's people. It's where the people of Israel camped. Uh, we could read about that in Joshua 3 and 4 after crossing the Jordan River into Canaan. It's really a beginning point of God's people where they came through the water. This is a place of safety, of security, of communion, of preparing to begin the battle as they enter enemy territory. And then we, we see the second uh, place here, Bethel. Bethel, we read about in Genesis chapter 12 and verse 8. Uh, it's really where Abraham built an altar and where he often met with his Lord. It's a place of prayer. Uh, Bethel means house of God. And perhaps Elijah reflected on the places and the times of prayer throughout his life 
as he walked those streets. We know Elijah was known for his prayer, right? James chapter 5. He was a man of prayer. And so perhaps the shared story of these crises with Elisha was going on as well because don't, don't crises drive us to prayer? Don't crises drive us to our knees? Perhaps as we, we think about it, we can think about the page two I'm on now, Kareth, where he listened to and obeyed the word of God. He went to the ravine of Kareth, or some translations say Cherith. There, uh, he learned to trust God against insurmountable odds. We read about that in 1 Kings chapter 17. He had little food. He had no shelter. He was a wanted man. He had basically a bounty on his head from Ahab and, and Jezebel. And yet, we see a second area maybe where we think about, again, he obeyed the word of the Lord and went to Zarephath. He stayed with the widow and her son. And you, know, you think about this. When, when God calls you to a new place, don't you think things are going to get better? Isn't that kind of what we have a tendency to think? Things didn't get better for Elijah, did they? They got worse. He gets there, the widow has no food, right? Or she's running out. And so he's thinking, oh great. I mean, I, I find Elijah, I'm thinking, oh great, God. You take me from one bad place to a worse place. What's going on here? And so, again, he stayed with the widow and her son where they were about to starve to death. At that place, he brought their daily needs before his God. And his faith had matured even to the point that he could take the widow's son into his arms and breathe new life into him. We read about that in 1 Kings chapter 17 there. And, you know, when we, we think about that aspect of ministry, we could all say that we have the ability to give new life to people through Jesus, right? We all have that ability. We all have the good news of the gospel to share, to give them hope, to give them that new life, just like Elijah did in that sense. Well, then we get to Jericho, and certainly most of us are familiar with Jericho, a place of battle, Joshua 5 and 6, a place where God's people made great strides against the opposition. And as Elijah is there, perhaps he thought about the battles of his own life. Perhaps he thought about the battles where he faced the forces of Baal and God won a tremendous victory in 1 Kings 18. Or perhaps the numerous conflicts that he had with Ahab and Jezebel. Or when he waged his own personal battle against burnout and depression. That's something we have to guard against, isn't it, as shepherd? Guard against that burnout and that depression. And certainly... We can learn a lot just from studying that aspect of Elijah's life. But certainly we also understand that we're all involved in a spiritual battle, aren't we? And we all have had many battles in our own lives, too. So as we think about Jordan, really, you know, for Elijah it wasn't a place of death, but it was a place of departure. But as we, we think about that, it's really kind of a place of submission as well. We think about not just physical death, but death to ourselves. And we certainly talked a little bit about that this weekend, haven't we? We've talked about how Elijah, you know, in, in a sense, uh, you know, denied himself, took up the cross daily and followed him. And certainly we have to do that. But perhaps Elijah remembered those days when he died to his own wishes, his own plans. He surrendered himself. These two he may have shared with Elisha. 
And you know, it's interesting to see that Elijah went wherever God wanted him to go. Even if it was a worse place than where he was before. And he went whenever God said. It said, God told him, and Elijah went. You know, that was just his attitude. If God said it, I believe it, that settles it, that's what I'm going to do. That's the kind of person that Elijah was. And so he learned to rely not on himself. He relied to learn on God. And he learned to not just think about my will be done, but thy will be done. You know, it's a good question for us to ask ourselves, really, in whatever role we play in the church as a Christian, what does God really want me to be doing? What does God want me to be involved in? And just having that kind of an attitude. I know in, in my life, I, I uh, was in a crisis that basically work. I lost my job. And, uh, you know, it was incredible because I wasn't doing anything bad, but the whole corporation changed and everything. And, you know, it came clear that in praying and praying and praying that God wanted me to go somewhere out of Great Falls. That wasn't what I wanted to do. I kind of went kicking and screaming out of Great Falls. But when I got to Ellensburg, Washington, I realized God had a reason for me to be there. And I won't go into all those details. And yet it's important for us to be willing to do what God wants us to do. So the self-denial of Luke 9.23 does not come naturally. It, it must be learned and relearned. And certainly Elijah's life was a life of power because he welcomed the death of his own desires. But as we think about this journey, what's the application to our journey? We think about these times of uh, really Elijah and Elisha, kind of, uh, I think they're times of searching and reflection, but also times of story. Times of story that Elijah could tell his story to Elisha. And so, I think that second line there, we influence the future influencers by sharing our story of becoming less. That's how we influence those influencers, is by sharing our story of submission, just like Elijah did with Elisha. And so, we think about our own beginning. You know, I'm a first-generation Christian, some of you are, but I had to submit my life to what God's Word said about becoming a Christian. I had to realize that I needed to hear God's Word. I needed to believe God's Word. I needed to repent of my sins. I needed to confess Jesus as my Lord and submit my life to Him and do what the Word of God says, to be baptized into Christ for forgiveness of my sins and receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. You know, there's probably people here who that's way back in the past. But there may be some people here this morning that they haven't done that yet. And that's where that journey begins with God. If you haven't been baptized into Christ, then, you know, that's important to have that beginning in our lives. And, and that's a difficult thing for some of us and for some people. But as we search back in our memories and just remember those days, I'm... Uh, our days of our conversion and those early days when we, we kind of took those first baby steps, those spiritual baby steps. I'm reminded of my little granddaughter, Heidi. She was here a, a few weeks ago and she's a, just a little over one. She's just learning how to walk and she's walking now. And you know how they are. They take a few steps and then they just sit down on their bottom, right? That's just what they do. 
And certainly when we were first Christians, we are like that, aren't we? We take a few steps and then we kind of fall down. And I just thank God for the people in Bozeman, where I was converted, who took me by the hand and lifted me back up and said, keep walking, keep walking. And we need to be those kinds of people to other people, don't we? We need to remember those days and how we fell down, how people lifted us up, how they supported us, and were an encouragement to us in those beginning days. And we need to remember those days when we learned how to get into God's Word, how to pray, how to have time with God, how to share our faith, how to deny ourselves, and take up the cross daily and follow Jesus. And as we, we remember those days and search back in our memories, we probably could also be thinking about Revelation chapter 2 and verse 15. Reminds us that those days when we fell in love with Jesus. You remember those days? When you were in love with Jesus for the first time. And it was so new and so fresh and so amazing. Remember those days. And Revelation says that we need to remember those days. We need to repent if we aren't following our first love. And we need to repeat the things that we did during those days. I mean, there's some crazy things I did in those days. You know, I went to a Catholic church and tried to share my faith. You know, I, I was zealous for the Lord. It wasn't very effective, I'll tell you that. You know, and I wasn't met with open arms. But, you know, we, we were zealous for the Lord. And we were willing to step out and take those risks. And we were willing to do what we thought God wanted us to do. We may not have had a lot of wisdom or knowledge, but we had a lot of zeal. And sometimes we need to recapture that zeal. We need to recapture that risk-taking in our own lives. And not just say, hey, we don't want to ruffle anybody's feathers. We don't want to stir the waters. Sometimes the waters need to be stirred in our lives. So let's go back and remember those days and try to recapture that in the beginning in our lives. We remember those days of prayer the place of prayer, Bethel, in our lives. Prayer is simply talking to God, but somehow when we pray, at least for me and I hope for you, we end up surrendering more and more things in our life that may have been at one time very dear to us. You know, prayer has a way of changing you and changing me. And certainly I I believe that that's part of the design of our relationship with God. We learn to surrender those things. We learn how to draw close to God through those tough times. You know, those tough times for me were times of isolation, times of infertility, times of a death of a parent, times of a loss of a job that I mentioned earlier, times of even being mistreated by my brothers and sisters in Christ. Those are difficult times. And as I think about those times, I, I learned to pray during those times. I thought I knew how to pray before those times happened, but you really learn to pray when those things start happening to you. And God did a real work in your life as you went through those times. He carried you through those difficult days to the next stage He prepared for you. You learned to pray and you learned even more from God. And again, as we we think about James chapter 5, verses 17 through 18, Let's continue to unleash the power of prayer 
Let's continue to ask God for great things. Let's continue to be bold as we talk to God about things in our life. And certainly we want to always maintain that as a a very vital part of our relationship. So again, just pause and search back and reflect on and remember those victories that you've won in prayer. Keep that as part of your story. Share that story with other people. Encourage them because they're going to go through those difficult times just like you have. It may be different for them, but it'll be similar and they can draw strength from your experience. Well, Jericho, the place of battle. Some of us have had some very serious battles, haven't we? We've had some very difficult, serious battles in our life. And, you know, maybe it's a battle of rebellion or addiction or in our thought life or doubt or sin or or burnout or fear. Those, you could fill in the blank. I'm sure you have others that I haven't listed. But as I've reflected and revisited and even relived some of those battles in my own life, I realize that those places of battle have really become a place of blessing. Because those were the times I drew close to the Lord. Those were the times that I got a deeper relationship and appreciation for what God had done in my life and also those people who have gone before me. I heard a story last night that just, you know, almost brought me to tears. I don't think it... It showed in the conversation, but as I reflect on it, I realize how many people sacrificed for my salvation. And the elders in Bozeman and what they did and other people. I mean, it's it's just amazing to reflect on what they went through and realize how much they loved the lost in their community. Us lost college students, and boy was I lost. We remember those battles. And those battles are places of blessing now in our lives. And we can bless other people by sharing about those battles. And how God carried us through and and took us through those difficult times in our lives. But how many of us have found ourselves in a situation in life, a place in life that doesn't make any sense at all? Maybe you've been a star performer at work. You've had awards given to you and you realize you're not going to have a job in a month. doesn't make sense, does it? I've been through that experience. It doesn't make sense. And I think that happens to all of us where we're at a place in our life that we really doesn't make sense to us at all. But that's, that's a battle. And certainly the important thing to remember is that God is still working. God is still working. He has worked, he is working, he will work in the future. But we all learn more from God when we're in that crisis or those conflicts or those tough times than we do when things are easy. And the thing that helps me when I go through those times, I know I'll have those times in my future as well, is just asking the question. It's very helpful for me. What are you doing, God? I'm trying to see your work here. Help me see it. Help me be open to it. Well, again, the the place of Jordan, the place of death. Not just physical death, but death to the self-life. It's really that that journey of submission that we've been talking about this morning. The place where we learn to die to our own wishes, our own plans, our fleshly, our selfish nature. 
When we do what is right, when it feels wrong, that's when we really grow. When you do what's right, when it feels so wrong, that's when you really grow spiritually. So we, we learn and we relearn that self-denial of Luke chapter 9, verse 23. If anyone would come after me, he must deny himself, take up the cross daily, and follow me. And it's a lifelong process. It's not that you'll never master that and say, okay, I'm beyond that now. That's going to be an ongoing process in your life. It starts in the beginning when you submit your life to Jesus as your Lord. It continues in prayer. It benefits us in our spiritual battles as we grow in self-denial. And as that happens, we have more and more peace in our lives. So we'll go back to Second uh, Kings chapter 2 and verse 7. Let's pick up in verse 7. Thinking about the next influencers. Here we go in, in verse 7. Fifty men from the company of the prophets went and stood at a distance facing the place where Elijah and Elisha had stopped at the Jordan. Elijah took his cloak. He rolled it up. He struck the water with it. The water divided to the right and to the left. and The two of them crossed over on dry ground. Kind of reminds us of the Red Sea, right? When they had crossed, Elijah said to Elisha, Tell me, what can I do for you before I am taken from you? Let me inherit a double portion of your spirit, Elisha replied. Wow, what a big vision he had. You have asked a difficult thing, Elijah said, yet if you see me where, when I am taken from you, it will be yours, otherwise it will, be not. It will not. As they were walking along and talking together, I love that, walking along and talking together, suddenly a chariot of fire and horses of fire appeared and separated the two of them, and Elijah went up to heaven in a whirlwind. Whirlwind. Elisha saw this and cried out, My father, my father, the chariots and horsemen of Israel. And Elisha saw him no more. And he took hold of his garments and he tore it in two. Elisha then picked up Elijah's cloak that had fallen from him and went back and stood on the bank of the Jordan. He took the cloak that had fallen from Elijah and struck the water with it. Where now is the Lord, the God of Elijah, he asked. When he struck the water, it divided to the right and to the left, and he crossed over. The company of the prophets from Jericho who were watching said, The spirit of Elijah is resting on Elisha. And they went to meet him and bowed to the ground before him. So as we see that, we see the next generation, right, is there. We see that 50 men who are being influenced by this sequence of events, you know, we have to realize that our lives are always being watched, aren't they? As leaders, we're always being watched. And we can have the potential to always have a positive influence on those that are around us. Now, you don't want to think about that too hard because it could be kind of scary. But it's important to recognize it and always try to seek the Lord in whatever we're doing. But you know, we can also be really encouraged and learn from Elisha's big vision for the future. You know, he was a, a person of faith. He was a man of faith, Elisha was. And so we, we see that maybe these are the kind of people we need to be looking for. People who have a big vision. People who have faith for us to influence. Who are those people around us? Who are those people? 
We see that they were friends. They're walking and talking together like friends or maybe even family. Elisha calls him his father. You know, maybe it's a spiritual father in that sense. Uh, you know, we understand that. We, un- we comprehend that. But certainly we want to have an influence on those people that, that we can be friends with. And that's the kind of relationship that we want to have with them. Another thing that we could observe is that certainly Elisha has proved to be faithful. I mean, he was like, as, as Swindoll calls it, he was like a defensive back on a wide receiver. If you just excuse that, if you're not a football fan, but sometimes you say that the defense was so tight that the guy was in my shirt. That's how tight the, influence, the, the contact was and the defense was. And that's really what Elisha was to Elijah. He said, I'm on you like glue. I'm not leaving you. I don't want to miss out on this blessing. And so, those are the kind of people that we're looking for. Faithful people to have an influence in the next generation. Perhaps another thing that we could think about is that God always has people who will carry on his mission. You know, if I did die today, someone else would step up. I'm confident of that. I hope that doesn't happen. But if it happened, I'm confident that God has people who will carry on his mission. The faithful people. Elisha was faithful. Second Timothy 2.2. 2, the kind of people we should be looking for to influence the next generation. And trust to reliable people who will then be able to teach others. You know, that's what we should be looking for. And I'm certain that Elisha recalled his days with his friend and mentor. And those memories were a huge strength to him. Well, as we, we think about this, we, we had a great introduction this morning already. Someone said he was a learner, right? So disciples are learners, right? And that's what we're all supposed to be. So I've got an acronym for you. L is for longing. We have to have that desire to learn and to grow. And certainly, I think all of you probably have that, having been here for the weekend. All of you that have been here this weekend, you are hungry to learn and to grow. You have that longing to learn and to grow and to become more what God wants you to become and to become more influential in people's lives. The E could stand for effort, making a concerted effort to become better equipped. Many passages in the New Testament say make every effort to do what? To do many different things. But we need to be making the effort to learn, but making that effort to continue to grow and become better equipped. The A, we could say, is admission. We admit that we need more training, that we can grow more, that we can be more humble. The R, we could say, is realization, that realizing that we can only lead as far as we are growing. God wants us to grow throughout our lifetime, but we can only lead as far as you are growing. That's kind of a challenge for me. I need to keep growing, right? So that I can keep leading people as far as I am growing. And is for nurturing. Nurturing the next generation and each next generation. You know, we need to have that next generation thinking. I think Elijah had that. Elijah demonstrated that by attaching Elijah to himself. But we also need to think about that in our parenting. 
What am I teaching my children if we still have children? What am I teaching my grandchildren? You know, think about those next generations and what the kingdom of God will look like in their lives and trying to be a positive influence for them. So that's all I have. Uh, thank you for your time and your attention. Thank you for your early participation this morning. God bless. We've got a little bit of time for a break. It looks like Chris is going to come up and say something. <laughs>